We were created to be relational. God wants us to know Him. When we do, we are changed, made new. Now, He uses us to connect with others, those in our circles of influence. You see, walking with God reminds us that it's all about relationships. Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and this is Shane Seegers. He directs our multi-site ministry, and so he supervises all the pastors at our different sites who are joining us even today at Wetumpka and Cloverdale and Pike Road. We want to welcome you guys along who are watching us via video. And today we want to talk about something that is foundational. I've asked Shane to join me because this is foundational to our ministry everywhere we go, that it's all about relationships. And we want to explain what we mean by that um, each, in each section of this uh, series. is a three-part series. Last week we talked about it's all about a relationship with God. And today we want to talk about how it's all about our relationship with others. So inside your bulletin you will find an outline entitled um, loving people more. I almost forgot what the title was there. Loving people more. That's why uh, I'm here. That's why you're here. To remind me of that. Yeah, that's correct. And so uh, Shane and I are going to be talking about this today because we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people. Well, how do we do that more? I doubt that anybody came here today saying, I hope that by the end of this worship service today, I will love people less. I don't think you came here with that in mind. And I hope that isn't your experience, that you will love people less. Uh, in fact, I hope it's just the other way around, that God speaks to us and challenges us on how we can do a better job of loving others. Would you pray for us, Shane? Father, I want to thank you so much that, that you're in, the, in this room, that God, um, there's nowhere we can go where we escape your presence. But God, I know that there's so many things that happen in our life that sometimes we, we're just unaware of your presence. And God, I thank you that we could already sing uh, worship songs and praises to you, just reminding ourselves of who you are. God, I pray now that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word and faith to receive your truth so that it might change us to be more like you. So, God, would you do this uh, in us for your glory and our good? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need a pen, by the way, to fill in the blanks or take some notes on your outline, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will be glad to bring a pen to you. I'm going to jump right in. Jesus said that next to loving God, the most important thing we can do is love our neighbors. We read this passage last week and focused on the first half. Today we'll focus on the second. Once Jesus was asked by a teacher of the law uh, who said this, he said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Mo- in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus said you could sum up all the teachings of Scripture with two commandments. Love God with your whole being and love others. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. Now, Jesus went further, though, at another place in Scripture when he defined what a neighbor would look like. And that's our life application right out of the gate here, that Jesus wants us to view all people as our neighbors. I mean, when Jesus said love your neighbors yourself, Jesus has the idea that the neighborhood's a lot bigger than than I do. Uh, he thinks everybody's supposed to, we're supposed to regard everybody as our neighbors. And so um, this is a story of the Good Samaritan. The same question is being addressed here, what the greatest commandment is. But this time, when somebody asks the question, Jesus throws it back on them. This is from Luke chapter 10. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, Well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. 
The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And if you'd underline, the man wanted to justify his actions. If you'd underline that. That's important before we go any further here. And then Jesus went on and replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, Well, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, Yes. Now go and do the same. And Shane, when we read this story... um, you and I were talking about this this week. It's really important when the man wanted to justify his actions. Well, actions is what this is all about, right? Yeah, especially, you know, as we're here today talking about loving people more. Uh, we live in a society where we think of love and it's, it's an emotion. And, you know, before we do loving things, we want to feel like I, I like that person or I feel a connection to that person or some kind of emotional um, connection with them. And, and the whole point of this is, you know, you can begin to show love to even people before you even feel some way about them. So as I read this, I mean, here's a man that this Samaritan probably didn't even, doesn't even like, and yet when I look at it, I see all the actions that he did. He, he picked him up, he, he bandaged his wounds, he put him on his donkey, he took him to an inn, he took care of him there, and then he paid for it. So it's action after action that really demonstrates love. Yeah, and sometimes we can fool ourselves and say, well, you know, this is only for people I like, which is obviously what this teacher of the law was doing. He's going, well, you need to love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus goes, right. Well, wait a minute. I don't think we're talking about the same kind of neighbor here. And Jesus is going, right. God loves us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. And he says, I want you to extend this toward others. A Samaritan was somebody that the Jews had nothing to do with. They would look at him as people who weren't Uh, racially pure, theologically pure. They would have disagreed with him on a thousand things. And Jesus chose that person to be the hero of the story to demonstrate, hey, this is something extraordinary here. And when God is challenging us on these things, this is something we need to have our minds open to, that God wants us to be thinking about others all the time. And that brings us to the four steps. Today, we want to talk about four ways we can love others more to really live out the kind of love that's talked about in this parable. Four things we can do. And step one, I'll just, so four steps to loving people more is what we're talking about. That's the blank. I don't want to skip it, so don't write me emails if I miss a blank. Okay. But anyway, uh, step one, we, we can think of others first. And we chose the words we can. And Shane, while I'm putting this first point up here, we can think of others first. Why do we choose we can in the wording? It's real important that when we, what are we doing? We're, we're making disciples. And all of us can do this. You know, one of the, the questions we always ask ourselves, is this something that's doable? Or are people going to feel like, well, I don't know enough, or I haven't been a Christian long enough, or haven't been to seminary? And, you know, there, a lot of times we think there's varsity-level Christians and JV-level Christians and other things. This is something that we're all called to do. There's no levels here. This is, a, like John says, an all-skate or an all-play. This is something that all of us can do. And so we really want to focus on looking at, well, what would love look like in our lives towards other people. 
And if I'm going to love people more, it starts with my attitude. I have to think of others first. Here's what Paul wrote to the Philippians. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we need to think of others first, and it starts with an attitude, right? Yeah. This is the same way. You remember when we talked last week, for those who were here, or if you heard the, the sermon about loving God, we talked about an attitude with God first, that we wanted to surrender ourselves. Because when we're talking about a relationship, it's not focused on us first. It's focused on who do we love? We love God. And who else are we supposed to love? We're supposed to love other people. And so we want to start with an attitude first. And that's why if you flip your outline over, there's a life application here as well. And it's simply this, it's not about me. It's not about me. Would you say that with me, please? It's not, not about, about me. me. One more time. It's, it's not, not about, about me. me. Now would you turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you either. Would you do that? It's not about you either. <laughs> it's not. I mean, Jesus didn't say, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Well, you got to look out for number one because nobody else is going to do it. You know what Jesus said? He was famous for saying this. Hey, you put the Lord first. He'll take care of everything else you need. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, the story of the Good Samaritan wasn't a story the priest walked by, the temple worker walked by. The Samaritan was the only person who actually thought of other people first. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. Jesus summarized again. He said, hey, you want to sum this up? Let me sum it up another way. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. And Shane, this is something that's unique to Christianity, right? Yeah, I mean, all cultures and religions have some form of what they would say the golden rule, except theirs are usually um, put forth in the negative. You know, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus spins it completely around when he says, do to others as you'd have them do unto you, which means now we take initiative. We go first, and, and that's really what love is. Love is not about being uh, selfish. It's about being selfless. And it's about putting the needs of others before ourselves, And that's why we have to think of others first. And so it starts with our attitude. In parenthesis down here, we've also given a couple of scripture references under the tag with love, accept, and forgive. What's that all about? Yeah. You know, for us at Centerpoint, we, we do. We want to love God more and we want to love others more. And when it comes to loving others, the attitudes that we want to ha- demonstrate are love, acceptance and forgiveness. I, I, I think it'd be really hard to have a relationship without those three components. And for us as Christians, these are all things we receive first from God. So it's not like we're asking you to do something you don't have. I mean, God loves us and he says, you love others as, I, as I've loved you. It's John you, 15, 12. Yeah, yeah. You forgive others or accept others as, as I have accepted you. You forgive others as I've forgiven you. So these are things that God has done to us and now we have an opportunity to, to return that and to extend that into the lives of other people. And so uh, it's real important that we remember this, that we're constantly taking initiative. When it comes to, to loving people more, don't wait for people to go first for you, or you'll be waiting a long time. 
Uh, wives, you probably recognize this a lot if you're married. If you're waiting for your, you know, I mean, there can be a list of things that you see. Well, I'll do this when my husband starts doing this. You might be waiting a while. I don't want to get myself in trouble. But, uh, you already did. Yeah, I Thank probably you very did. Much. Appreciate that. But yeah. the fact is, is if you take the initiative, you'll find how it kind of gets the ball rolling. And it's easier to, get, to respond to someone who does to you first. And so let's not wait for other people to act loving to us. Let's love them. And let's remember acceptance. This is so crucial. Because you can't love a person, the person you want them to be. You have to love the person who is. And you have to accept them. Now, that doesn't mean you accept everything that they do. You can disagree with someone, but you have to accept them and love them. And then, of course, if you have a relationship, uh, if you have two sinful people in a relationship, and that takes care of everybody in the world, without forgiveness, the relationship won't be able to last. Because there will be a time when you do something wrong or someone does something wrong to you. And without forgiveness, the relationship just stops. So... You know, we need to be people of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I used to work with a ministry called Young Life, a ministry to high schoolers, uh, to teenagers, an outreach ministry. And a phrase they had for this was simply to describe this attitude is unconditional friendship. And um, it helped kind of me to make sense of this. If I'm going to express unconditional friendship towards somebody, that means I'm going to be able to accept them and forgive them and be a friend to them no matter what they do. I mean, because I can do that. Sometimes I'm not sure what unconditional love looks like, but I can imagine unconditional friendship pretty clearly. I mean, you can finish this phrase with me. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. I mean, you've probably heard that before. If I'm a good friend, I don't let my friend drive drunk. Well, I'm still a friend to them. That doesn't mean I accept their drinking. In fact, they might be mad as heck at me if I take the keys away from them and say, I'm not letting you drive. I don't have to agree with what they're doing. Now, we live in a culture today where if you don't accept everything that everybody does, carte blanche, you hate them. If I don't agree with your drinking, I don't agree with your lifestyle, I don't agree with your sexuality, then I hate you. Well, that's not true. I can be a friend and disagree with you. In fact, if I'm a good friend, I will disagree with you if these are things that are prohibited by Scripture. I'm going to say, no, that's not right. So I can be a good friend. I can be an unconditional friend. I'm still going to be your friend no matter what you do because I love you, but I'm not going to accept everything. Well, and then that brings us to step number two. We not only have to be people who have the right attitude and put others first, we need to be kind. We need to be kind to others. And Shane, would you read that passage for us? Yeah. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And uh, obviously, that's, that's, a, that's pretty straightforward in how it tells us to treat people. I mean, be kind one to another is the first Bible verse I learned as a child. And it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination on what it means to be kind. But you know what? It's, a, it's an effort, and we all can be kind. And again, nobody wants to be a friend with someone who's a jerk. And it's kind of funny we have to state that, but it's true. And a lot of times people don't like Christians because they think they're, we're jerks. But if we're kind, we can reverse that. Yeah, and that's why the life application that follows this one is pretty obvious as well. Kindness is a choice. 
Kindness is a choice. Listen to uh, this marvelous passage from Colossians 3. Since God chose you, God chose us first again, to be holy people, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothing ourselves, you get to choose what clothes you wear. Are you going to put on a coat? Are you going to put on a shirt? What are you going to wear today? Well, the same thing with our attitude and how we treat other people. I can choose to be kind or I can choose to be efficient today. Look, I'm just going to get things done. I'm sorry if I'm not kind. We're coming up to the end of the quarter. We need to get this done. I don't have time to be nice. And we can justify rude behavior at work. I can justify that, you know, I'm really tired. I haven't had enough sleep, sleep lately, so just get out of my way. Or I can choose to be kind. And it's going to be a choice. God chose to love us when we were very unlovely. He chose to die on the cross for our sins because we needed it not because we deserved it. And when Paul's writing these words to us, he's telling us, hey, you got to choose to do the same thing. And so, Shane, you have a couple of things here, like greeting and encouraging and hospitality and other things. What's that all about? Well, basically, the, the, the verses that we have, you know, where we looked at love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and thinking of others first, and, and now we're looking at greeting, being kind, and being hospitable. Those are all one another passages. And one another passages are nothing more than just like a different facet of a diamond of, of love. How do you love someone? These are all just simple ways of showing love to someone. And so we kind of categorized these under big headings and tried to take some of these. And so in being kind, there's three things that all of us can do. Remember, this is all about things that we can do. And the first one is greet one another. And I'm not just talking about, hey, and a greeter at the door. I mean, I'm glad we have a church with greeters, but all of us should be practicing the, the act of greeting one another because greeting is so important. Mm. Greeting says, I, I acknowledge you. You matter. You're a value. I mean, you, want, you, you don't want to just say, hey. I mean, you want to learn to connect with somebody. Call them by name. I've heard that the, the number one word in the English language for a person is their own name. Mm. And when you call someone by name, it just opens up all kinds of possibilities. And you can't, have, you can't love someone more if you never engage someone. So greeting is vitally important to this process. And then, of course, just being kind. We've already talked about that. Once you greet someone, just be kind to them. And then the third one is to be hospitable. And I know most of you automatically start thinking, okay, I just greeted this person. Now they're coming to my house. <laughs> and that's not really uh, what we're saying. A couple of weeks ago, our a couple months ago, John did a great job of distinguishing the two things between entertaining someone and being hospitable. Entertaining someone is all about the host. But when you're hospitable, it's all about the guest. And for us, it means making space or making time in your life for someone. I mean, you have to allow a space for the relationship to develop, to keep it going. And uh, that's what being hospitable is about because guess what? You can't love someone just from a distance. You have to allow people to come close. And guess We control that. And that's why being hospitable allows someone to come into our lives. So if I want to love people more, I need to start thinking of others first. And then I also need to be kind. I mean, it is so easy to get out of whack on this. It wasn't that long ago. I, I was flying on an airplane, flying in Montgomery, and the stewardess said the seats weren't all full, and maybe some people would be lucky and have an empty seat next to them. And I sat down, and my seat was empty, and the plane was almost finished boarding. And so I kind of slid over to take as much space as possible. You know, I'm kind of leaning. In those, in those seats, you don't really have to slide. Yeah, I didn't much. have to slide much. Okay, but, 
But the point is, you know, it's like every person coming on, I'm going, oh, I hope they don't sit here. And somebody came along with a small child, I really hope they don't sit here. You know, oh, my goodness. And then, you know, and all these people are coming on. Well, then a couple comes on, and their tickets had been messed up, and they weren't able to sit together. And somebody in front of me stood up and said, oh, I've got an empty seat next to me. You two sit here. I'll take your seat. I went, oh, yeah, me too. No, I didn't say that, okay? I mean, it's embarrassing, but all of a sudden, somebody there, they're sitting on the same plane that I am, same kind of ticket, but you know what they're doing? They're looking at other people as people, as neighbors. I'm looking at empty seats. This is how easy it could be. We could be traveling, driving in traffic, and somebody's too slow, and we're ready to lay on the horn, I got to get to church. So I can worship God. Get out of the way, will you? I mean, this is how fast this can flip in our mind. And so this is terribly practical stuff. Whether it's an airline seat, whether it's anything, will I look at people as neighbors or I look at them as something to get out of the way so I can get my work done, so I can get my report turned in, so I can get whatever else. And all too often, we flip the switch without even thinking about it. And that's why these are terribly important steps. So we need to think of others first, and we need to be kind. Step three, after that, comes serving others. And Shane, would you again read that for us? Yeah, this is a conversation that's recorded in the book of Mark between James and John and Jesus. And it starts off with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. I have no right to say he will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now look, if, if I put others first and I'm kind to them, I greet them and I'm looking for ways to, be, to give space to them, that means I'm going to listen. Somewhere there, I'm starting to notice who they are and what's going on with them. And then it's going to be important that out of that, I serve them if I'm really going to put them first because they're going to have needs. And there's all kinds of needs, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times because we're in church, we we think first of spiritual needs. And that's always what's going through our minds. What spiritual needs do do they have? But you know what? Sometimes before you can meet the real spiritual needs, you have to meet their felt needs. And there's all kinds of needs people have. They have physical needs. They have social needs, emotional needs. Sometimes financial needs, and of course spiritual needs. But when we begin to meet those needs is when we have the opportunity to minister even deeper. And that brings us to this uh, life application as well. I just took it right out of Titus 3.14. Titus was a troubleshooter for Paul. Paul sent him to really work with a troubled church on the island of Crete. And in order to, to get things straightened out, one of the things he needed to do was this. He said, Titus, remind our people of this. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. That still applies to us today. If I'm going to put others first and be kind to them, then sooner or later it means, hey, this person has a need. I can't just wish them well. 
I need to really meet that need. And that's terribly important. You were telling me about um, a friend of yours who is a school teacher, I think. Yeah. Well, I, you know, in a, this is in reference to a connect group that I was a part of uh, in, in Missouri before I came here. Uh, one of the ways I got to, to know him better and to build the relationship as we were talking, I was just listening, hearing what the needs are. And he was a new school teacher at a, at a new school, had a new classroom. And uh, he was just talking about having to get in there to move into the classroom, trying to figure it all out. And just by showing up and helping him arrange his room and get things hung up, and you know that gave us an opportunity to build that relationship. And he saw that I cared about him, and it really kind of fast-tracked the relationship. There's a lot that you can uh, grow in in those times outside of just a group, and so that was incredibly important. But that comes by listening and being available in a life, you know, in a connect group type format. And so in the parentheses here, we got three ways that any of us can serve. We can pray. Uh, we can just look for opportunities to serve like what you're talking about there, and we can encourage. Would you yeah. comment on those as well? Yeah. Praying is extremely important, and I know some of us might not feel comfortable praying out loud, and we think, does that mean I go up to this guy I don't know or this lady I don't know and pray for him? Can I pray for you? No, you can pray for him behind their backs. To, you know, <laughs> God, will, God will listen. You can pray with him, of course, but just think about what prayer does. Prayer puts their most important needs to the one who can meet that need the best. And I also find not only are you connecting their needs to God, which puts, gets God involved in their life, it also changes your heart towards that person. Mm. When, I, when I commit to pray for someone, you know, I become more invested in their life. I love them more. I become more concerned about the outcome. So prayer is incredibly important in us loving people more. And then the second one is serving. And again, that's just paying attention. You might be the answer to one of those prayers. You might be able to do something. And, and again, you don't have to do everything, but there's ways that you can be just consistent and do something that demonstrates the love of God. And then encourage. This is extremely important. I don't think anyone in this room feels like they get too much encouragement. And I just kind of feel like if the people of Centerpoint, if we focused on praying for people, and we focused on serving people, seeing needs and meeting needs in simple, consistent ways, and we encouraged people. I mean, what kind of difference could we make in this region and even the world? Yeah, I mean, I cannot tell you how much it means to get a note of encouragement. I had somebody stop me not that long ago, and they gave me some encouragement. They said, you probably have gotten way too much encouragement already this week. And I said, wait, stop. Seriously? Is that what happens in your life? You go to work, you go... Okay, everybody, a notice today before we begin work. Stop encouraging me. That's happening to all of us lately. And the same thing happens with cash. Hey, please stop giving me cash. It's falling out of my pockets, okay? I got way too much cash. I mean, we don't have too much cash. We don't have too much encouragement. It means the world to us when somebody actually stops and writes a kind note, not blowing sunshine at us, but just saying, hey, I noticed something. The way you handled that was really good. I appreciate you. A woman came to me not that long ago, and um, I had met with her husband and talked about ways he could encourage his wife. And I said, why don't you try leaving her a note that, um, you know, just how much you appreciate her keeping house the way she does and put it somewhere where she's likely to find it when she's cleaning the house. And he had written a note about how grateful he, she, he was that she was such a good housekeeper and slid it in among the dishes when she was washing dishes, and she found the note and read it. And she called me and she said, did you put him up to that? I mean, because this isn't like my husband at all. Okay, what happened here? And I said, well, we brainstormed. And she said, I can't tell you how much that means to me. 
that had never happened in their marriage. You may not ever get encouragement at your work. Remember the golden rule? Do to others as you'd have them do to you. What if we went out and intentionally this week, if we just served people, we found one good thing to compliment somebody about, a meaningful compliment, a meaningful encouragement. What if we just did that one thing? What if we were just kind and thoughtful? That can change people's lives. Yeah, and, and Jesus tells us that, you know, out of the overflow of, of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, one of, the, one of the ways that people can really see Jesus in us is how we talk. And I don't know about you, you know, we've talked about needing more encouragement, but the fact is, in our world, you know, gossip, cutting people down, mm-hmm. that's more what we hear than encouragement. I mean, if we want to stand out and be different, let's make our words life-giving, not life-draining. And that brings us to step four. We need to put others first. We need to be kind. We need to look for ways to serve. And then finally, we need to invest in others. And Shane, if you would yeah. be so kind, please. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.2, You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Well, you and I invest in people. The whole idea of the Christian life is not that I live for myself, but I live for God's glory. And we're to make disciples, which means I pass my faith, my values, my understandings of God onto somebody else. I show people the things that I know from Scripture, and I learn what I can from others. It's all through relationships. In, uh, again, when Paul wrote to Titus, dealing with problems there in Crete, he said, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what's good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure. When I was working for Young Life again, another expression we had for this concept was, earn the right to be heard. And if you could put that in the margin there, earn the right to be heard. If I want to invest in you, if I want to be able to talk to you about things that would really help you or that maybe some things you need to change, like if I need to confront you about something or give you a good idea, it might even be on a a sensitive subject, well, you're not going to hear that from me if you really don't think that I'm important, if you haven't been kind to me or haven't served me. If I'm going to invest in people, I need to earn the right to be heard, and so do you. There are people in your life who can talk to you straight up, and people even go, wow. How did, why are you letting them talk to you that way? It's like, I'm letting them talk to me that way because they're right and they love me. And it matters if people have earned the right to be heard. Yeah. It allows the relationship to be able to carry the freight of some of the more difficult things. I mean, Scripture tells us to speak the truth in love, and there's some people that you allow to speak that kind of truth into your lives. And those are the ones that you know love you the most. And all of us have spaces, blind spots and things where we need someone to speak that truth to us. But we're going to receive it more when we know that people have walked through this. And so remember last week we talked about, you know, surrender and uh, listening and praying and obeying. Churches so often start with the obey part. And we said, no, let's, let's focus on these other parts. Well, the same thing happens when it comes to loving other people. We, we always start here. Well, what are you going to teach them? What are you going to do with them? And that makes people feel like I'm your target, I'm your project, whatever. This gives us an opportunity to develop the relationship. And that's really what God's called us to do. And if you do love them, I promise you, they're going to be more open to saying, hey, I want to I know this like you do. I, w- I want to be like you. I want to I be able to do that to other people. And now you know why we encourage people all the time to get in connect groups. Because 
In connect groups, we can encourage one another and build each other up. We can be kind to each other and serve each other and invest in each other and practice these things. And it's a safe place because we're all trying to work on this together. And those of us who've got more experience in an area can teach those of us who don't have as much. And we can share those things. And that's why we keep pushing this. In fact, I wanted Shane to be a, a, a part of this whole message series because when he's working with our site pastors, I mean, this is true at every level of leadership in our church. Shane's going to be working to help develop our site pastors to do good ministry to others and make disciples. Well, what are you going to be teaching them? I'm going to be teaching them to think of others first, to be kind, to serve, and to invest in the people at their site. And I'm going to be teaching them to do that with their connect group leaders because that's where our people are really a part of or in the ministries that they're part of, you know, our ministry leaders. I want our site pastors to be investing in those leaders to teach the people in their areas of influence. Hey, think of others first. Be kind. Serve. And invest. So ultimately, every person who's a member of this church, that's how you're going to live. And you know, the great thing about Christianity, it's not like I have to keep learning something new over and over again. I mean, Jesus said, if you want to be my followers, if you, if you love me, uh, obey me. And then he turned around and said, now this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. It's really not that complicated, and we make it more difficult than it has to be. And so we're going to encourage each other at this church in these four things over and over again. Can we pray about that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to look at your word. I thank you that Jesus was so amazingly clear on some of these things. Father, forgive us for making it out to be something that's impossible. The truth is, with your help, all this is possible. If the Lord spoke to you about an attitude or an action in your life today while we were speaking, would you just pray with me about that now? Lord, I, I pray that you will help us put others first. Forgive us, Lord, for being so terribly selfish all the time. Lord, if I get cut off in traffic, I'm mad because I'm thinking about me. If there's an empty seat on the plane next to me, I don't want anybody to sit there. It's all about me. If this week, the thought that's crossed your mind a lot is, I'm not getting my due. I'm not getting enough attention. What about me? Would you confess that to the Lord? The Lord knows anyway. Would you say, Lord, help me think about others more importantly than myself this week. Forgive me for being so terribly self-centered all the time. I mean, if you mean that, pray it. He'll hear you. He already knows your thoughts. Father, would you help us be kind? Just be kind this week. Father, would you help us think of ways we go out of our way to do a nice deed, a nice gesture for somebody, maybe a note of encouragement. In fact, if a person's name flashed across your mind while we were thinking about this, would you pray that God will help you get that note, that email written today? God, would you help me encourage someone this week? And be kind. And Father, would you help us serve meaningfully? Maybe helping somebody move in. Maybe helping somebody with a special need. If we can meet it, would you show us how? With the right attitude, would you help us serve? And finally, Lord, would you show us somebody we could invest in? Somebody we could pour our lives in. Somebody that we could give some godly counsel to and advice. 
And before we do that, Lord, would you help us earn the right to be heard? Father, we don't want to be self-righteous. We don't want to be know-it-alls. We just want to be unconditional friends who speak the truth in love. Oh, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you're always more ready to listen than we are to pray. Lord, you know there's a million things we need to pray about. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these. Lord, help us to choose to be kind, gentle people this week. Open our eyes to people who really need our help and help us be good friends to them. Pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ who put us ahead of everything in his own life. In the name of Christ, we pray together. Amen.